reconciliation. It is not comfortable. It is not intuitive. But so many times in life, it is necessary. And it's necessary for our sake so that we don't drag all that junk around with us from year to year to year to year, from relationship to relationship to relationship, uh, wondering um, what's wrong with everybody else and forgetting that the, the common denominator in all of our relationships is me. And it's necessary for their sake because the truth is many times there are, are bridges um, that are just simply out relationally and those bridges aren't going to get mended until we start mending uh, from our side. And, and one of the very surprising truths uh, about reconciliation is that so many times uh, what we discover is that the, the person who's actually on the other side of you, um, they're actually thinking about you the way that you're thinking about them and everybody's waiting for somebody to make the first move and, and, and you're hoping it's going to be them and they're hoping it's going to be you. Right, and, and, and you don't think they ever will, and so you think, okay, why should I even try? And reconciliation is necessary for conscience sake, and, and this has been a part of my life in so many different ways. Um, and, and there have been times in my life in the past uh, where I, I would feel like, okay, I, I know I need to, I know I need to, um, but I, I, for whatever reason, I, I just don't. And then I, I read a section of scripture or I, I hear a song. Sometimes I hear about somebody else reconciling a relationship and I think, okay, I, I really should. I, I really should. Um, and at times in my past, I've just kind of, you know, quieted that part of, of my conscience. You know, just kind of went on w w with life. And if for Jesus followers, right, for those of us who are Jesus followers, reconciliation is actually necessary for Jesus' sake because it's just so much a part of what it actually means to follow Jesus. Now, throughout the series of, of Advent, we are discovering uh, how it is that the invisible God began to work in our world to undo um, the chaos and the brokenness and the tragedy that the entrance of sin um, made in our world and made in humanity. Because the story of Christmas, it really is um, the story of God making himself visible uh, by showing up in the mess and the stench of a, of a stable in, in Bethlehem. And today in our world, he continues to make his work visible in us and through us as he continues to work to redeem and to restore what's been broken and distorted in us and in our world. And the truth is, nothing makes the invisible work of God visible like reconciliation. And we know we should, right? We, we know we should. Isn't it true? I mean, it, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not a follower of Jesus, religious, not religious, um, isn't it true when, um, when even if you're not a church person, I mean, isn't it true when something is out of sorts between you and somebody else, isn't there something in you um, that just feels um, like, like, like you, you really should, right, try to do something to restore that, especially if it's someone in your family, especially if it's someone that you've been close to in the past, right? You, you know you should, we know we should, but often we just don't want to. 
right? If we're just honest, we just, we just don't want to. I mean, you would love to be able to push a, a magic button and have that relationship go back to the way it was, or even better, have it go back to being better than the way it, it was. But, but we just don't want to. In some cases, it's because we haven't gotten around to it, right? In other cases, it's just, it's just so emotional, right? It's just so, because isn't, isn't reconciliation emotional? I mean, isn't it true, and see, the interesting thing, isn't it true um, that, that when you, you have these imaginary conversations with that person in, in your mind, it's really not all that emotional, right? Because you, you say just the right thing, and they always respond in, in just the right way, right? And they always apologize, right? Don't they always apologize? In fact, when I have these imaginary conversations, it's so interesting because there's always other people standing around listening to my imaginary conversation, and they always end up agreeing with me, right, and telling me that I was right and the other person was wrong. Right, but then when you get around to actually doing it, it's just like, isn't it true? It's like there's this, th there's this huge weight just bearing down on you emotionally. You just can't seem to, to, to push through. Right? And besides, right, it doesn't even seem like they're all that interested because it's bothering you. Right? It's bothering you. But when you see them or when you hear about them, it doesn't seem to be bothering them. And so you think to yourself, okay, then why am I letting this bother me. And then we come to Christmas. And at some point in, in the season of Christmas, whether you're at the mall or you're in your car or you're listening to Spotify or you're in a restaurant or, or you come to church, right? at some point during Christmas, um, we, we hear this, this in incredibly famous um, Christmas song, this Christmas carol, in fact, that we just sung um, just a, a couple minutes ago, and, and, and it's so easy to let the words uh, of this very famous Christmas carol just kind of blow right by us and, and not even notice what it is that we're saying. Um, but the truth is, um, in, in the center of these words is really um, the issue of Christmas that's so easy for us to sing about and yet so difficult for us to actually go and do anything about. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Peace on earth and mercy mild. The truth is I don't even know what that means, right? But God and sinners reconciled, right? See, I, I know exactly what this means because this was me at seven years old when my mom explained to me that for the very first time that Jesus actually died on the cross for my sin. And I didn't even know what that meant at the time. Um, but, but my mom, but I was grateful for that. And my mom explained to me that, um, that, that I need to tell God thank you for what it is that Jesus um, did for me, right? And, and she didn't use this, this big word right here because I would never have understood it back then. Um, but basically it means that, that God and, and, and I could be actually put back together, that we could be um, restored relationally, that, that we could be reconciled to one another, right? God and sinners um, reconciled. This is what we sing about at Christmas. But sinner and sinner reconciled? Right? I, I don't know, because I got like dozens of reasons why, you know, not to send that letter or that text message or that card or have that awkward conversation. And if you're a follower of Jesus like I am, then you know that we gave God an endless list. Humanity gave God an endless list of reasons of why God should not reconcile with humanity. You gave God an endless list of reasons as to why God shouldn't recognize, re reconcile with you. And, 
The truth is I gave God an endless list of reasons of why God shouldn't reconcile with me, right? And specifically me because, um, because I'm a pastor, right? And I grew up in a, in a Christian home, and, and I know all the verses to the point that when I sin, I actually know the verses that address my sin. See, some of you, you actually have to come to church to find out that there's sin, uh, verses that address your sin, right? But me, I already know those verses. In fact, I, I've memorized most of those verses, right? If anyone has ever given God an endless list of reasons of why not to reconcile with me, it's me. But I sing God and sinners reconciled, and I believe that I'm actually one of those sinners that's been reconciled. And, and see, the thing that, that's so strange um, when, when it comes to, to God reconciling with you and God reconciling um, w- with me is that it costs him uh, a whole lot more um, than an awkward conversation or a card or an airplane ticket. It costs him so much more, and yet when it comes, you know, to sinner and sinner reconciled, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know if I'm up for that. I don't know if it's worth it. I, I don't know if I can handle that. I don't know that it's going to work out. Twenty-some years after the resurrection of Jesus, the apostle Paul, he, he looks back um, at, at this section of scripture that we've been looking at together over these last several weeks, and, and he, uh, he puts into this incredible perspective what it is that, um, that, that God did for each of us through Jesus um, by sending Jesus into our world. And, and without ever using the word Christmas, um, the Apostle Paul, he takes us to the center of what Christmas is really all about when he says this in, in Colossians chapter 1. He says, God was pleased... To, to have all of his fullness, right? This is actually the mystery of Christmas. All of his fullness in Jesus, right? Like crammed, all the fullness of God crammed into Jesus and through him, that's Jesus, to reconcile to himself, right? All things by making peace through Jesus' blood shed on the cross. And then Paul talks to you and he talks to me and he says, once you were alienated from God, right? Remember this? In fact, the truth is, for some of you, um, you, you still feel alienated from God, right? Because now you, you wouldn't necessarily um, use this word, um, but, but isn't it true you feel like there's this distance between you and God? And, and you wouldn't say um, that you ever stopped believing in God. It's just that um, you, you were an alien to God or God was an alien to you. There was this vast separation, Right, emotionally and relationally um, b- between the, the two of you. Paul says, okay, once you were alienated from God, and he says you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, to which we want to say, okay, wait, time out, Paul. I've never had evil behavior. I've had bad behavior maybe, but not evil behavior. Right, to which God would say, okay, well, um, that's not true. Because listen, anytime you mistreat someone I love, God would say, listen, that's just like mistreating me. And see, you can go to church all all day long and you can act like everything is okay between you and me. But listen, if you're unkind to someone that's important to me, God would say, um, then you and I have a problem. Right? And then Paul says this and he kind of points us to Christmas. He says, but now, 
right? But now, he reminds us that at Christmas, what was invisible was actually made visible. At Christmas, God has reconciled you by Jesus' physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, don't miss this, without blemish and free from accusation. Now, the, the interesting thing about this particular verse uh, is that all of us, right, for all of us, and specifically those of you and like me, our followers of Jesus, we actually leverage the truth of this verse every single week. Right? Every time I sin, every time you sin, um, every time you say to God, okay, God, forgive me for my sin, um, God, give us a safe trip, right? we leverage this all year long. Every time we pray, every time we ask God to, to heal a friend or heal a family member, right? we leverage this verse because you are assuming, and I am assuming every time that we do this, that you and God are reconciled. Right, that God is not going to look at you and say, are you kidding me right now? How dare you come to me with that? Are you, do you not remember your senior year of high school? Do you not remember your freshman year of college? How dare you ask me that? The fact that you believe and that I believe that God actually hears my prayers, the fact that you believe that God forgives your sin, you assume and I assume that we have been reconciled, that God has removed everything that has made us incompatible with him. We assume the reconciliation that God's made visible to us and our world at Christmas all year long, right? Every time we worship, every time we take communion together, every time we mourn the loss of a loved one. We assume and we believe that God has removed everything that has made us incompatible with him. But in, in other words, it, it's kind of like this. If God were to say to you, hey, are, are we okay? Are, are, are we good? And, and, and you were to say to God, okay, well, I mean, I, I'm good with you. And so, yeah, if you're good with me, um, then yeah, yeah, we're, we're good. But what if God were to say to you, well, what about him? What about her? Are, are you good with him? Are, are, are you good with her? Isn't it true that, that our first response, aren't we tempted to think, okay, well, why does that matter? Right, because as long as I'm good this way, then it does not matter what's going on in my life this way. To, to which God would say, okay, have you not noticed anything that my son Jesus made visible on your planet? Because see, all throughout Jesus' ministry, all throughout Jesus' ministry, and this was so disturbing to the people who actually watched and, and, and listened to Jesus, but all throughout his ministry, Jesus would say in so many different ways over and over, listen, you cannot be right this way and wrong this way. You, you cannot fully embrace and appreciate and, and worship and celebrate and benefit from the reconciliation that your heavenly Father has made available to you if you are content with just living your life being unreconciled with your brother and your sister because I love them just the way that I love you. And you're, if, you're, if you're out of sorts with them, Jesus would say, then you're out of sorts with me. In fact, Jesus even went so far um, as to say this. He said, listen, if you're at the temple and if you're about to offer a gift at the temple, right, because Jesus understood how all religion works, 
Because all religion, right, all the assumption of all religion is that you can be okay this way and not be okay this way. And so Jesus says, okay, that might work in other religions, right? But if you show up at my father's temple and if you're going to make a sacrifice for your sin so you can make things right, with your heavenly father and in that moment you remember that there is something wrong something out of sorts with a brother or your sister jesus says this remember this he says leave your gift at the altar and go and be reconciled to your brother or your sister to which we want to say okay why in the world does that matter And see, the God of the New Testament, our Heavenly Father, would say, listen, it matters because I did not reconcile you to me simply so that we could be reconciled. I I reconciled you to me to lay the groundwork and to to pave the path uh, of reconciliation to one another because you are made in my image. And if God and sinner can be reconciled, then why not sinner and sinner be reconciled? Right? How is it that we can easily be so content um, with God and sinner reconciled and at the same time so resistant to actually reconciling with one another? Why is it that it's so easy for us to resist demonstrating what at Christmas we're celebrating? Because in just a few days, right, we're going to celebrate Christmas. And see, I don't know how you celebrate Christmas if you gather together as a family and if somebody reads the the Christmas story or if you gather together and and you listen to Linus as he tells you about the the true meaning of Christmas. But see, the true meaning of of Christmas is, is this, that you have the opportunity in the life of somebody else to actually make visible what your Heavenly Father through Jesus at Christmas made visible for you. Peace on earth and mercy mild so that sinner and sinner could be reconciled. So here's the the, the challenge of Christmas. Because as we get closer and closer to the day of and to the morning of and to the eve of, right? And as you light candles and as you remember and as you do whatever it is that you do um, to remember the the true meaning uh, of Christmas, The the challenge between now and and then is that simply this, are are you willing to to leverage the full meaning of Christmas and not simply be content with the fact that through Jesus, God has reconciled you, but to write that letter that you know you need to write, to extend that invitation that you know you need to extend, perhaps to send that card or that gift that, that every year you, you know you should send, but for some reason or another, you're never quite getting around to doing it. And see, listen, I, I know what you're thinking, because you're thinking the very same thing that I would be thinking if I was sitting where you're sitting right now. You're thinking to yourself, okay, but Joe, like, it, 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 they, they don't care, right? They, they just don't care. You don't understand. No, I, I, I get it. I, I know. I understand. You're thinking, Joe, they're not going to appreciate it. I know. You're thinking, Joe, okay, they're not going to reciprocate. I I know. I I know. And neither did you. Okay, neither did you. How many times did God come chasing after you, 
just to have you say, okay, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I mean, how many of us, okay, don't raise your hand, but I mean, think about this. How many of us, right, we grew up in church and we grew up hearing this year after year after year after year, uh, and, and at some point in our past, we put our faith in Jesus, but you went and you went through confirmation or you signed the card or you joined the church or you did whatever your tradition told you to do when you were growing up, maybe like me, and you asked Jesus into your heart, but then at some point after that, you kind of drifted away. You drifted away and you did not care about God's offer of reconciliation. And you did not appreciate God's offer of reconciliation. And you certainly did not reciprocate to God's offer of reconciliation. Right, but see, here's the amazing truth of Christmas and the amazing truth uh, of Jesus. In fact, this is the, the launching point for all of our attempts to reconcile with other people. God, I love this, did not rescind his offer simply because we would not receive it. And so at 21 years old or 31 years old or at 51 years old, um, when, you, when you finally came to your senses, right, and, and when sin had come, finally beaten you down, and, and when you are sick and tired of, of just being sick and tired and just drifting, wondering if all of this is really real, right, and you came back to, to your faith, your Heavenly Father's offer of reconciliation still stood, just as it has all of your life. It was not rescinded simply because you would not, at the time, receive it. And so, yeah, the, the people in, in your life that you're going to attempt to reconcile with, yeah, of, of course they don't care. They would have done something by now if they did. Yeah, and of course they, they don't appreciate it, right? And, and no, no, they may not be willing to receive it. But so what? So what? Because, see, in just a few days, all of us, we're going to celebrate an offer that many of us actually spent years rejecting until it finally dawned on us that reconciliation is a gift that we're actually better off receiving. And here's how it all began. In those days, Caesar Augustus, when God had everything the way he wanted it to be, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register, and so Joseph also went up from the town of, of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Right? Of course they were. God had shown up. This couldn't possibly be good. 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, because I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the King. He is the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So here's the question, right? Here's the, the, the Christmas question. If God and sinner can be reconciled, then who are we to withhold the offer of reconciliation. Right? If God and sinner can be reconciled, then who are we to withhold the offer, right? Not the guarantee, just the offer, right? Just the opportunity. Who are we to withhold the offer? Not that they're going to care, not that they're going to reciprocate, not that they're going to appreciate, not that they're going to understand. Who are we to withhold the offer? If God and sinner can be reconciled, and if we're about to celebrate and try to wrap our minds uh, around that, if we're about to, to uh, try to bring that truths into our hearts and into our lives as followers of Jesus, if that's really the true meaning of, of Christmas, if God and sinner through the birth and the death and ultimately the resurrection of Jesus can be reconciled and have been reconciled, if God did that, if Jesus did that, then who in the world are we? To withhold simply the offer, just the offer of reconciliation. Now, like we said at the very beginning, reconciliation always, it's always emotional. It's always complicated. And it's one of those topics that always makes you want to say, okay, but Joe, what about, and Joe, what about, and Joe, if you knew, and if you understood, and what if, and what if, and what if. And so really quick, I just want to take, um, I want to take a couple minutes, and I want to give you kind of three um, scenarios. And these are, there's certainly a lot more than just three, um, but these are the three that people talk to me about the most. Um, and, and these three are actually three um, that I've experienced in, in, in my life as well. Um, and, and I've told you this before, and so some of you, um, you, you already know this about me. Um, but, but I personally have been the victim of violent crime at two different points in, in my life as I was growing up. One was physical, and then a few years after that, uh, a different one, different individual um, that was sexual. Now, neither of these were random. Um, both of these were people that I knew at the time, and both of these occurred in a situation where I was in relationship at the time. Now, in the verse, first situation, I was part of making sure that um, the person who attacked me was actually held accountable, uh, that ultimately they were prosecuted and, and went to jail. And over the years, I have prayed for this person. I have prayed for their emotional healing, for their spiritual healing, for their salvation. And, and my hope is that um, he has gotten the help that he needs. 
Now, this is important that you understand. I feel no burden to go out and to try to reestablish a relationship with this individual. I don't feel I did anything wrong uh, by uh, helping to hold this person accountable for their actions. In fact, my hope is the consequences this person experienced actually gave them a chance to be reconciled to their Heavenly Father. Now, the second individual actually sought me out over social media about 15 years after the assault took place, and he asked me uh, for forgiveness. And, and I was able to say to this person that I had forgiven them um, because I am a follower of Jesus, and so I had already forgiven him even long before he ever asked me. And as, as you can imagine, um, he was quite shocked when I responded in that way, and he told me he never expected that response from me. But I told him very clearly and very specifically in a follow-up email, I said, um, because you already have my forgiveness, what you need even more than my forgiveness is the forgiveness that Jesus offers to you. And that Jesus' offer of forgiveness to you is just as real for you and just as meaningful for you, just as significant for you, just as attainable for you as it has been for me. But once again, I have no plans to go out and seek out this individual and try to restart a relationship with this person. I have forgiven him, but as far as I can tell at this point in, in my life, um, on this side of eternity, uh, we will not have a relationship, but we do, we do have peace. Now, I also have other relationships that are much closer to me in proximity that unfortunately are broken due to ongoing sin about against me and against my family. And I see these people regularly in the course of, of my life, and that behavior is repeated over and over and over again, uh, even when it's explained, even when they're asked to stop. Uh, and, and I have chosen and I continue to choose to forgive these individuals um, each time because Jesus forgives me each time that I sin. And I've chosen to treat them with dignity and respect, and this is the part I don't want you to miss. I do not let their behavior towards me change who I am and how I behave as a follower of Jesus. And because we are not currently reconciled, what I have chosen to do is to try to live out the truth that's found in Romans chapter 12, where the Apostle Paul says this. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. But as far as it depends on you, I want you to live at peace with everyone. And the whole reason I do this is because of the hope that one day reconciliation will in fact be possible for us. Now, the last scenario really um, is the best one um, because I'm also actually very thankful to say that there are, are, are a number of people in my life who are as committed to resolving conflict as it occurs as I am. And this is actually the ideal, whether it's in family, whether it's in friendship, whether it's a work relationship. And, and as we've said many times, it's not easy. It's always emotional, but it's always worth working toward even if it takes time even if it takes significant amount of time. And the way to start 
is by understanding that you don't ever actually start with reconciliation. You always start with forgiveness because it's forgiveness plus trust that leads towards reconciliation. Forgiveness is all about canceling debts, right? And this is so important. Forgiving someone else um, is not saying that what happened didn't matter, that it didn't hurt, that it wasn't painful, that it wasn't wrong. Um, Forgiveness simply starts when we say to our Heavenly Father, when we say to Jesus, okay, Jesus, what do you want me to do in this situation? Because I know what I want to do in this situation, but, and I know what I feel like doing in this situation, but Jesus, I want to do what you wanted me to do. Right? And whenever this comes up for any of us, there's always all kinds of objections that we have to this. Right? The first is always where we just say it's, it's so complicated. Right? It's so complicated. There are so many loose ends or there's so many open issues. There's so much unresolved tension. There's so much pain. But see, here's the part, again, I don't want you to miss. Reconciliation is not about tying up a bunch of loose ends. Reconciliation is not about sitting down and hashing it out one more time. Reconciliation is not me trying to convince you to see the world the way I see the world. Reconciliation is not about any of that. Reconciliation is, listen, I want to have a relationship with you in spite of all that. Right, which actually always leads us to the next objection, which is this. Well, if I do that, it's going to look like I'm condoning that relationship because, you know, my mom moved out with that guy and my, my dad, he moved in with that woman and, and my brother and my sister. And if I go over there, if they come over here, if I invite them, if I make an invitation, it's going to look like I'm condoning that relationship. Listen, if you ever get accused of condoning a relationship because you're trying to reconcile a relationship, congratulations, that just makes you more like Jesus. Because Jesus got accused of that all the time. And our Heavenly Father sent Jesus into our world, right, not to condone what we were doing, but in fact to live in such stark contrast to it. But at the very same time, right, at the very same time to remind us and to tell us that there is a God who loves us so much that he actually wants to be with us. With us. In fact, if you grew up in church, you know the word, right? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. It means God is with us. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. This is what we're going to celebrate together in just a couple of days, that God is with us. And then, of course, there's the biggest objection, right? which is just simply, listen, it's just not going to work. Right? It's just not, not going to work. Okay, you're right. It's not going to work. So what? So what? So what if it doesn't work in them? Because listen, it's going to work in you. Pursuing reconciliation is always the healthiest thing that you can actually do emotionally because it keeps you focusing the frustration and the hurt and the disappointment and the anger and the pain that you actually feel. It keeps all of that focus where it belongs and not on all the other people who are in your life. And understand, attempts at reconciliation, they always work in someone. And maybe, maybe the person they're going to do the most work in is you. So, 
who comes to mind? Who is it that you were arguing with me about in your mind just a couple minutes ago? Who is it that has so damaged your relationship with them and created so much dysfunction and, and so much angst that there is absolutely nothing, there is nothing in you at all that even wants to consider making a move in their direction? Who comes to mind? Would you be willing sometime between now and Christmas to do what we talked about earlier? And just look for a way, just a simple way, to demonstrate what we're getting ready to celebrate. Would you be willing to make even some small gesture, a card, an email, a letter, an invitation, just some small gesture, right, to demonstrate what we're going to celebrate? And of course, there's no guarantees. Right, there's no guarantees, but your gesture of reconciliation, it is not pointless. It will do something for you, and it will do something in you. And the truth is, we have no idea what it might accomplish in the heart of the person that came to mind. And besides, it's Christmas. God and sinner reconciled. So who are we? Who are we? If God and sinner can be reconciled, then who are we to not at least offer, at least not make the offer or the gesture of reconciliation? Heavenly Father, Father, you know how hard this is how many emotions surface just at that word, at the word reconciliation. Father, you know so much better than we do the hurt and the pain and the anxiety that this whole idea causes. But Father, for just a moment, as we set all that aside, we want to thank you for not rescinding your offer of reconciliation to us when we did not receive it. And so Holy Spirit, my prayer for all of us right now, for the mother and the father, the brother and the sister, for the son and the daughter and the friend that, that feels that emotional weight just kind of bearing down on them right now. Father, my prayer is that you would lead and that you would direct that first move even if it's been offered before even if it's been rejected before even if it's been if it's failed before that Holy Spirit you would not allow us just to focus purely on the, those hurts that, that are so tragic and so deep and Father for those situations where the hurt is so deep that reconciliation is not possible not yet, or maybe not even ever. Holy Spirit, in those situations especially, I ask 
that you work in the heart of the person to allow this time, this gift of forgiveness, this gift of canceling debt, that Jesus, you would allow us and give us the courage to do for others exactly what it is that you did for us and forgive us our sin long, long before we ever ask for it to be forgiven. Jesus, we pray all of this in your name.